The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Right now on Fast, earnings season has begun and banks so far telling investors what they wanted to hear. But why didn't the rest of the market seem to listen? We're going to dig into the opposing forces hitting stocks today. Plus, it wasn't just the banks out with earnings today. One of the biggest names in the S&P also posting results this morning. And despite the drop, not one, but two of our traders still see upside for the stock. They're going to lay out the case. And inflection in sight. One apparel stock getting a big double upgrade today, sending its shares soaring. Why one of our traders is hopeful the name has found support here. I'm Sarah Eisen in for Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money tonight live from the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk, we've got Tim Seymour, Jeff Mills here in person, Steve Grasso and Julie Beal. We're going to start with the opposing forces in the market today. Big bounce in bank stocks after the first set of earnings reports from the group. J.P. Morgan, take a look, surging 7.5%. That was its biggest jump since November 2020. That after posting record revenue even in the aftermath of the banking crisis. Citigroup also beating on the top and bottom lines. That stock up nearly 5%. Other big banks coming along for the ride. On the other hand, signs of weakness in the consumer. Retail sales. Falling more than expected in March, down a full percent from February. The CFO of Wells Fargo, Mike Santamassimo, telling me earlier that he sees signs of weakness in spending. In the card space, you're seeing just a very gradual weakening, uh, which is what you've seen now over the last uh, you know, couple, uh, couple of quarters. So didn't overplay it. Nothing alarmist, but they're preparing. That weakness seemed to outweigh the strength in banks. If you look at the overall market, the Dow dropping 143 points. NASDAQ down for the fifth time in six sessions. S&P also pulling back. So what does it tell you that these standout bank earnings weren't enough, Tim, to boost the market? This was supposed to be... One of well, the first of all, you, you are boosting our spirits by being here today. Thank you. So thank I you. love joining and, you, Ben. And, and I, I, I look at a combination of things for the market on the day. When, look, J.P. Morgan's numbers were great. It's amazing how many people say, oh, I knew they were going to do great. Not everybody knew they were going to have the, these kind of record numbers. And I, I get that net interest income up 49% is something that may be unsustainable. Um, I, I think the market's heaviness today is a function of, look, the market's had a great week. I, I think there's been... A few mixed signals this week on the data front. I think that CPI number is enough to keep the Fed alive in May. I think the Fed minutes uh, showed you that there are enough voting members without the name Powell that actually are on board for a May hike. And then Fed Waller's comments today were also very much like, you know, May is happening. So um, I don't know that that should be a huge surprise, but that's a little different than where the market is. Um, I do think, as I say, the, the outperformance of the semiconductors and of the triple Qs and the heavyweights in NASDAQ, as long as that continues, I think the markets are moving higher. I actually see that starting to teeter a little bit. And, and even though I, I think uh, a lot of the positioning in, in some of the semis, like an Intel or something like that, is still very light, I, I think you have to watch this because we, we've had a big run. Yeah, I think the question is, is good data now bad news for the markets? Bank earnings were better. Yep. I get retail sales were a little bit weak, but University of Michigan consumer confidence was strong. Waller's comments, basically, that's the that governor. More tightening is needed. He spelled it right. out. He's but not ready to, to Today, stop. J.P. Morgan, th- this was good news for J.P. Morgan. 
because the financial which crisis, own. which we, we both own, I don't, know, I don't know if Jeff owns it. Jeff doesn't but like the banks. I don't love them, but we have positions in certain banks, J.P. Morgan being one of them. Okay. All right. So, so that's good enough. We'll take yeah. that. We'll roll with that on, on a day like today. But they were the recipient of deposits. So for them, this latest crisis was actually a tailwind. Yeah. So let's see what happens to Tim's point going forward for that. But think about bigger picture. This is bad for tech, right? If rates are going higher, it's good for banks. It's, it'll be a tailwind for banks. It'll be a headwind for tech. The problem is large cap tech cannot rally in the face of higher rates. So we had a nice little bounce off the bottom. That's leveled out. What does that mean for the overall market? Probably leveling out too. If you look at the tech, tech, uh, technical levels on the S&P, 4,200 is a huge level to overcome. And unless things change significantly with the macro appearance of the market, we're in a range-bound market where we're not as low as everyone thought we were going to be. And we keep bumping our head up against that 4,200 level in the S&P, and there's no reason to pop above it, quite frankly. And I think the, the leadership of the market right now is really important. You know, we were at these levels not too long ago, a couple of months, but the complexion of the market was very, very different. You had cyclicals leading, you had transports leading, you had small cap leading, high beta leading. So there was a much more risk on tone to the market. Tim, to your point, even though positioning is a little bit light, and I think that could continue to lift the market in the near term, that is all completely reversed out. Look at gold. Look at utilities. Look at staples versus discretionary. This is a very different market at these levels than it was a number of months ago. And that concerns me a little bit relative to the staying power of where we are. You know why I think the market didn't rally in the face of better bank? Why is that, Sarah? Because the market didn't sell off when banks were we're in crisis, basically. I mean, it took us down for a few days, but the month of March was an up month. Technology stocks rallied. It was only the banks that had a bad first quarter. I agree with that, but I would also say, look at some of the industrials. Look at airlines were treated like bank stocks. A, a lot of resource companies were treated like bank stocks, and they've slowly been working their way back. Um, the banks I, haven't. The, the banks haven't, and even They're after these numbers... Up. I agree. And even after today's catch up, J.P. Morgan has still underperformed the S&P by about 8 percent since SVB. And, and I do think that that's kind of the dynamic here. I think you ultimately still have a case where banks are going to be judged as as, um, you know, even if the numbers are strong, there's so much more to come for banks that I think they're going to have trouble. Breaking Julie, through. I'm curious your take on on the read through from the bank earnings. Well, I think it's that everything with banks right now is going to be a function of the haves and the have-nots. And, you know, your large mega cap banks are the haves and your regionals are the have-nots. And I think that's important to keep in mind as we get more and more information on the regional banks who are holding much more of this problematic office and other commercial real estate that I think we all know is probably mispriced and has more credit risk. So I think next week is starts to be really important in terms of understanding what they have. The large banks have done a great job of, you know, boosting their, you know, rainy day funds. But I, I think it's going to be much more severe on the regional bank side. Though I will just note that fifth, that PNC managed to close up after being down most of the day, Jeff. You astutely pointed that out because I thought <laughs> we were talking they about it in the down. green room. Why'd you point at Jeff? Did, did, you, did you do something wrong with PNC? I mean, no, 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 we were listen, just hey, I used to work there. I'm staying out of that one. Okay. <laughs> he no. said they had a terrible that's, day. I said, well, actually, I think well, you used higher. to work there, so yeah, that's yeah, enough said yeah, right yeah, there. Exactly. But so a, a couple of quick things. Uh, one, just relative to the way banks perform today, look at the KBW index, highly concentrated in JP Morgan City versus KBE, for example, a little bit more diversified. They moved in completely opposite 
opposite direction. So I think that's a read. And to Julie's point, relative to the haves and have-nots, the regionals, where does a lot of credit come from for small businesses, for consumers? It is those smaller banks. So if they do end up being the have-nots, I think that's a really good read on the macro and where we might be going over the next few quarters. But even if they're the have-nots, Julie, is, is, are you saying that it's not all priced into the stocks? Because they've, been, they've, been, they've had a terrible ride basically since March when, when SBV failed. So I'm guess, I guess I'm wondering if it's in the price, if, the, if you see them bouncing next week on news or you think there's bad news to, more bad news to come. I think it'll be really, really diversified because they all hold very different kinds of credit risk. You know, there are some that are much more exposed to office and there are others where it's a small business issue for them. So I think it's really going to depend on the mix and they won't all be the same. But I think what is important to keep in mind is even though they are cheap, they're cheap for a reason. It's a recognition of the risk that they have, not just in terms of credit, but in terms of being able to fund and, and deposit mismatches that we've seen at SVB. So for me, I, it's a it's a no go, no thank you. Got it. And for Jeff, no go, no thank you. And no one owns regionals, right on the on the desk. Mm. Yeah. We get yeah. a little bit of exposure. First horizon, yeah. But yeah, definitely don't deal. want to be overweight there. I, I think generally speaking, yeah. from a cyclical perspective, you don't want to have a ton of exposure. Well, another earnings mover today that we should mention, it was a big one, United Healthcare, Biggest drag on the Dow. The stock slipping about 3% despite what was a beat on earnings and also the company up guidance for the year. Steve, UNH is part of your 2023 acronym. It is. It's been, Do you it's still been, like it? It's been terrible. It's been a terrible. Can you remind us of the acronym, please? Yeah, just. I had just. A, I had a remind. Oh, there it is right there. Just. Okay. Yeah, just. So and, JP and Morgan's doing well. Tesla's doing well. And my two us are, is not doing so well right now. So STEM is an AI mm. uh, uh, play of, of, you know, basically getting power off the grid, but in an artificial intelligence way. Is there a theme that's to more, just here? Uh, I don't yeah. know. Oh, okay. If you want to make one, we can. <laughs> uh, you know, last week I said I, I wish I, I had it as must because I wanted Meta as my, uh, as my M there. But anyway, I, I, on UNH, they beat, they guided higher, they have new coverage. There's so much to be uh, positive about this stock. It just can't get out of its own way, but I'm going to stay with it because management seems still positive, and everything about that earnings report was positive to me. And you like it, too. Right? I like it. I'm long it. Um, and I think it's worth noting that I probably was singing its praises going into earnings. We've talked about UNH, and one of the reasons uh, I think it's outperformed uh, even healthcare space is very defensive during this time. I mean, this is, this is one of the greatest charts in the market over the last five years. Uh, and the reason why the multiple goes higher is because they're in the highest growth parts of the healthcare business. They, they are actually you know, growing 40% in high margin parts of the healthcare business. So I, I am one that says you take this weakness. I was one that said going into these numbers, uh, this was a very strong performer and stay there. The bar was extremely high. These were not bad numbers. X2Q moving pieces. I think you know, the, the, the outlook's quite good here. All right. Well, despite today's pullback, S&P did manage to end the week higher, nearly 1%, making it the fourth positive week in five for the index. But where could it be headed as we move deeper into earnings season? We need a chart. Let's get to chart master Carter Worth, who's looking at the S&P. Sure. We can look at anything. But uh, thank you. I mean, you know, Grasso, you were making the point that is there any reason, and you can always find one or not, for the market to really press higher here? I don't think there is, right? We're, we're up against the February high, 41.95, February 2nd. But the sequencing is still intact. We have a high of 4 January 2021, and each consecutive high is lower. So the only thing that would be incrementally positive from here, from 
my point of view, you would need to take out that February 2 high. But the, the really, it, the internals, and you guys were talking about that as well, that's the real issue. We have a bifurcated market. And a bifurcated market is when you have real winners, like socks, right, like um, the tech sector, like the telecom, uh, more than 20%. Well, you have others like banks um, really struggling, consumer. And the thought is that a bifurcated market is resolved by the leaders telling the truth and the weak ones coming to life. It never gets resolved that way. It's the exact opposite. What happens, the weak ones are actually telling the real message, and the ones that are strong are where people are hiding, and those ultimately succumb. I just want to throw one bullish technical stat at you. It comes from Tom Lee, of course, who's very bullish, of course. Of course. But So he says the S&P has now spent more than 25 weeks above the 200-day moving average. Since 1950, there are zero instances of the S&P doing that, making a new low when it has spent that much time above the 200 sure. there, there, there are a lot of these things. I would call it data mining, right? So if you find those, they're typically 20, 40 instances. We talk to a statistician, typically need about 140 inputs for it to be statistically significant. Um, it's like stock traders' almanac stuff. Doesn't mean it might want work, but you can uh, always we find, you can always find that. You know, you can massage the data to get anything you want. But, but Carter, how about how about at least just this uptrend off the the CPI low? I mean, the October CPI low really is is a profound moment for this market. And I feel like this week and even yesterday, we gave something back today. We got back above that trend line, which was which was wounded sure. by SVB. Sure. And that's fair. One could say that the market has made progress, basically that rates peaked in October, market bottomed, dollar, and we've all sort of found our footing. But at the end of the day, remember, it's just the S&P. If you start looking at other aggregates and other parts of the market, the Russell 2000 is making right now new 52-week relative lows to the S&P. The consumer, the XRT, the equal weighted consumer, is literally hovering for GM, stocks that are just not progressing. You've got a lot of internals that do not support the, quote, S&P. The only issue is, and I think you know, Tim's talking about this, too, we've thrown everything negative at this market. We've had a financial crisis, part two, which wasn't like the first one. We've had, we have geopolitical everything. issues. We have China. So everything, too much, too much to go through, and the market just won't continues go down. to but, absorb. But it won't really go up either. So let's actually consider sounds like this. A, sounds like a pair of twos. It, it might be, right? So, so <laughs> if you look at if on a trail, you know, year-to-date performance is, is arbitrary, right? If it's May, if it's June, right? Okay. But one year or two years. If you look at equities as a broad thrust, equities are unchanged for two years. We had a max gain of about 15%, max loss about 15%, and here we are, unch. What is the proposition for real earnings growth or multiple expansion, is, which is the thing that makes a market go up from here? I just don't see it. And the charts don't really support it. Well, people think that multiple expansion comes when the Fed cuts, which the market is expecting to happen. Right, but remember, interest rates are the same level they were in June a year ago. We've been stuck at 3.5. It's we not the level. It's the direction. I guess, it, it, but it always is until it isn't. Listen, when we started the year, and here's the funny thing, we know this, the number one most loved thing on Gen 1 was banks and financials. Whoops. Guess what was the most hated? <laughs> tech. Don't buy tech. Whoops. It's, it's always this way. Carter, we're going to talk a lot more on Options Action. We'll see you oh, in the next yeah. half hour. Thank you very much for that preview. When we come back here on Fast Money, earnings season kicking off with a bang. Will the results continue to rock? We've got a number of names to talk about. The trades to watch next week straight ahead. And ready, set, shop. Goldman Sachs getting doubly bullish on one retail stock. We're going to name names when Fast Money comes right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings season really kicks into high gear on Monday. More big banks and regional banks on the calendar. We'll also hear from Netflix, Tesla, IBM, plus a slew of transportation companies. So what is on our traders' watch list next week? Let's go around the horn. Julie. I, I'm really interested to hear what the transports have to say. I think you get a good read on the economy. You get a good read on consumer discretionary. But I think even most importantly, you get a better understanding of what's happening in uh, labor prices, labor relations with unions. I think that's actually going to be critical to decisioning for the Fed. So that's what I'm really paying attention to. Jeff? Yeah, I, I want to read on regionals, but I want a read on a very specific regional, M&T Bank. And we mentioned real estate. They have a, a pretty high concentration in commercial real estate. So I'm concerned about credit. Everybody's talking about commercial real estate is potentially the next shoe to drop there. So what do they have to say about office in particular? Um, do these properties need more investment? Are they getting the capital they need to be competitive? These are all really important read-throughs to understand whether that's going to be a squeeze on credit and therefore a squeeze on small business and the consumer. I'll throw you a little bonus, Prologis. They're more I'm lucky you're with I mean, come on. I give you a little extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> Prologis, um, more focus on the industrial side of real estate. So not all commercial real estate is bad, but let's see what they have to say relative to banks' overall books, because if they're concentrated in industrial, maybe not so bad. Investors need to make that decision. So just to be clear, you're just watching M&T for that exposure. You're Correct. not. You don't, no, I want it as a macro read-through to understand what potentially could transpire in the credit market. I love a good macro read-through. Who doesn't? I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> Tesla. There's been so much talk about margins with Tesla. There's been so much talk about price cuts. I want to see what that looks like. I want to see what their guidance looks like. I want to see what deliveries look like. There's a host of things. But most importantly, I want to see how the stock reacts coming out of earnings. It was up above 200, slammed down to 180. Let's see what type of pop it can muster up. Yeah, I, by the way, I like that Jeff and Julie are looking at, you know, transports and banks because I, I just think, you know, transports, if you're a doubt theorist, it's actually a pretty interesting time. Those charts on the rails aren't great. Meanwhile, UPS and FedEx are two of the best charts out there. But I'm watching Bank of America because I think as a follow through from J.P. Morgan, there, there is a place where banks can outperform. And it gets back to valuation for me on Bank of America, which trades probably 15 percent cheap to J.P.M. I think the whole group trades about 20 percent cheap to five to 10 year averages on price to tangible book. Again, where J.P. Morgan uh, beat today, it it was on net interest income. It was also on fees. 
And I think Bank of America is in a good spot there. Um, and I think where J.P. Morgan missed, it was largely on expenses. I think banks have still a lot more room and levers to pull there. Um, Netflix, just because this is actually a cash flow generator in the midst of a world where I want to own companies that are generating free cash flow. And for Netflix, this hasn't always been the case. But relative to other streaming stories, uh, this is what Netflix has to offer right now. I, I, I think the street might be a little aggressive. And if you look at the subs expectation out there, this is the place where they might disappoint a little bit. But I think right now we're less focused on that because we all believe it's going to take a while for this ad supported uh, revenue stream to, to, to build itself out. Nobody chose Schwab. That's I thought you guys were going to go there on, on Monday, Schwab reports. And this has been another one that people have been investors have been really worried about. I think maybe the good news is is if no one's really uh, you know, hanging on the edge on this one is that I think there is some sense. And I think the market this week gave you this sense that we're not that worried about about the flight of, of assets. And, and I like I. I'm not going to make a call on where Schwab is other than I've heard the same things they've told the market. Um, I, I think a function of, of you know, the lack of concern is a good thing, and I think the market traded like that. But you haven't seen them, to your point, you haven't seen these stocks recover. No bounce. To the, to the, they have not have any substantive bounce off those lows. Right. So are they, are they then, if you're not worried, are they a buy? I'm not buying. Yeah. You're not there yet. No. But we'll all be watching, even though none of you chose it. <laughs> When we come back, should you add this name to your shopping cart? Goldman Sachs giving one retailer double upgrade. The catalyst that could get this stock to rally. It's our call of the day next. You're watching Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, Manhattan. We are back right after a quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Call of the day on VF Corp. Shares jumping 3% after a double upgrade from Goldman to buy from Sell. Analysts saying the apparel company is nearing an inflection point with better inventory management, strength in the band's product pipeline, and China's reopening among some of the positive catalysts for the stock. Jeff, you have been looking at the stock? We own a small position. Okay. Uh, we bought it about a month ago, and we play this game sometimes. It's so bad, it's good. I think this might be one at of home stocks. or just here. Well, both. I, I try to practice at home. It's eighty percent. You dress off the up tie. for that, or you just wear what you dress like this? Okay, no, just eighty percent off its high, forty-five percent below the two hundred-day moving average, and I think we have this chart. Yeah, it's up on the screen right now. It's right back to those levels before the financial crisis, and it's bounced nicely off of that support. So, I think from a risk-reward perspective, it's an interesting name given the dividend, given some of the things mentioned by Goldman relative to efficiencies and operations, and some of the product development, particularly with, within bands. So, I think there are some good things going on, even with all of the macro headwinds that we're aware of. But at ten times forward, probably. Reflected in the price here. Do you agree, Julie, with Jeff's turnaround trade here? Woof. No. I think the biggest challenge that they <laughs> have. Oh man. <laughs> Boom. That hurts. You know, if you think if you think about what's happening right now in terms of management turnover, they've replaced their division heads, but they haven't replaced the top dog. And so that person is coming in constrained with their management team that they have in place. And turning around brands, these type of brands, is really hard. You can pull back that stock chart where it's near its 0809 lows, but it was a different company then, and those brands were better, stronger, and more relevant. And distribution was much easier for them. So it's just not where it needs to be. All right. Well, they do have Supreme going for them, which is something. It is time now for final trade, and we're going to go around the horn. Julie, starting with you. Uh, I like the business. Um, Oops, sorry. Uh, Ollie is is a a, a retailer that I do actually like benefiting from trade-down customers. Got it. Steve. I'm going to go Tesla. I'm looking for $200 on a pop after earnings. 
Jeff? AutoZone, this one's breaking out to new highs. I think it goes higher. Tim? Sarah, thank you for joining us. Sky and Connor, you were saying you liked uh, uranium, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Visitors. Get these cuties. Yes. They belong to to me, if it wasn't obvious. Um, Yeah, we like uranium as a family. I know that doesn't sound appropriate, (laughs) but we like that. All right. The Seymour family, long uranium, that doesn't cost money. Don't go anywhere. We've got options action up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.